medium enterprise to reduce some burden. And uh, but so far the uh, uh, the company, the local, the SME companies still have to evaluate its own risk. Uh, have more spreading the virus among employees, and then the whole company has to shut down. So okay. that's a very much uh, paradox right now. Yeah, and thank you very much, much indeed for telling us about that this morning. And do stay safe up there, and uh, we'll talk to you again yeah, very soon. You. That's Yan'an Wu, who's thank the ch- chairman of General Bao up in Beijing. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let me give you an update on the markets this morning. First of all, U.S. stock index futures are on the slide. They're down about 1.1% at the moment, and Asian stocks are heading south with them. Stocks in Japan are closed for a public holiday, but elsewhere, the SX200 in Australia is currently right now down about 1.9%. The uh, Cosby in South Korea is off uh, over 2% at the moment, about 2.2%. Futures markets indicating the Hang Seng is going to lose about 200 points at the open this morning. In the commodities markets, gold is surging. It's up around $20 at the moment on the New York close at a seven-year high, trading at... Uh, $1,660 an ounce and Brent crude oil is down about two and three quarter percent from last Friday's close trading at $56.45 a barrel and in the currency markets the Japanese yen that's trading at 111.7 against the US dollar that's it from me this morning I'll be back tomorrow morning at eight o'clock with more money talk back chat coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse And the weather forecast for today, sunny intervals, light rain in the morning and at night, maximum temperature of about 23 degrees. The outlook is to be humid in the next couple of days and warm during the day. It's 18 degrees right now and it's 80% relative humidity. It's 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. The head of the International Monetary Fund, Kristalina Georgieva, has warned the coronavirus outbreak could put global economic growth at risk. She told a meeting of G20 finance ministers that it would be prudent to prepare for adverse scenarios. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. The IMS's most recent assessment of the global outlook, released in January, predicted a modest acceleration in economic growth this year. But since then, the disruption due to the new coronavirus and efforts to contain its spread has become much more extensive. There's now no doubt that the factory closures and travel restrictions in China will have an adverse impact on the economy in the first quarter of the year. It's becoming increasingly likely that there will be wider effects too. Ms Georgieva described the virus as a stark reminder of the world's interconnections and the need to work together. The Israeli military says it's carried out attacks in Syria and Gaza that came hours after about 20 rockets were fired into Israel from the Gaza Strip. Here's the BBC's Warren Bull. A spokesman for the Israeli Defence Forces said they'd launched a series of strikes against what he called terrorist targets belonging to the Islamic Jihad organisation in southern Damascus as well as in the Gaza Strip. In a tweet, the IDF said the strikes were in response to rockets fired at Israeli civilians from Gaza earlier on Sunday. The rocket fire itself came hours after video emerged of an Israeli bulldozer scooping up the body of a Palestinian shot dead by Israel's security forces. The Israeli military said the man had been attempting to plant an explosive device. The acting White House National Security Advisor has denied reports that Russia is interfering in this year's U.S. presidential election in favour of Donald Trump. Robert O'Brien told the American television network CBS it was a non-story. He suggested the House Intelligence Committee, headed by the Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, was the source of the reports. 
There's no briefing that I've received that the president's received uh, that says that President Putin is doing anything to try and influence the elections in favor of President Trump. We just haven't seen that intelligence. If it's out there, I haven't seen it. I'd be surprised if I haven't seen it. The leaders of, our, uh, of the IC have not seen it. So, I, I, again, I don't know where this is coming from. I've heard these rumors and these leaks from Adam Schiff's committee, but I, I have not seen them myself, and I've seen no intelligence along those lines. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. As international fears grow that the outbreak is becoming a worldwide pandemic, in the next hour we're going to be talking primarily about how different Asian places are dealing with the coronavirus. We'll be hearing from Korea, from Taiwan, Macau and Singapore to see how they're faring, what the mood like is there and how their approaches compare with ours here in Hong Kong. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and comments. On our Facebook page, Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3, by email, bankchat at rthk.hk, or on the phone, 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you. 233-88266 is the number. Joining us for the first part of the programme, we have Stephen Borovich, who's a reporter and broadcaster based in Seoul, covering politics, culture and uh, socio-economic issues. And Ross Feingold, a familiar voice. He's a travel security uh, consultant based in Taiwan. If you've got any comments, questions on those particular areas, uh, drop us a line, bankchat at rthk.hk, or pick up the phone. Um, as ever, a lot of emails kind of um, relating to uh, earlier issues, a previously section, uh, especially on a Monday morning. Uh, okay, so here's a, here's a few uh, following up on, on other discussions. Bowen says, I refer to the uh, discussion uh, on last Friday. Uh, he says, uh, I gave you figures. This is, was, this is talking about the death rate of the regular flu compared to uh, COVID-19. Um, there's little point in arguing, as some listeners did last Friday, about the real death rate of coronavirus in the mainland at present, not only because, as your guests and listeners have pointed out, the figures of those infected are likely to be grossly underestimated, but also because the real figures of death are all likely to be underreported as well. Lawrence Gostin from Georgetown University said the data may be flawed due to weak surveillance or change of case definition, and some of the patients died before they could be properly diagnosed. Mark O'Neill wrote in an article that Wuhan's hospitals had been been overwhelmed by the number of people seeking care and they were forced to turn away patients for lack of beds and testing equipment. In such a scenario, the reported figures of death resulting from coronavirus will have been lower than the real numbers as the related deaths which had happened outside the hospitals will not have been included. The point is we really have no idea of the extent to which the reported numbers of infection and death have erred respectively, making any guesstimates of the real death rate wild speculations. What can be said with certainty, however, is that as the reported national death rate of 2% is 20%. 20 times that of the death rate from those who died of the flu in the US in the last season, 1819. Uh, it's, uh, that's 2018-2019. Uh, it is responsible for, it is irresponsible for anyone to speculate at present that the death rate of COVID-19 ought to be just about the same or lower than that of other seasonal flus. That was a, a claim that was made at the end of the programme uh, on Friday. Uh, Richard uh, responding 
to Matthew uh, with the subject line membership in the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Thank you for enlightening me, Matthew, says Richard. I was unaware of my connection to the CCP. That you could establish this without evidence makes me wonder if you are a graduate of the RTHK School of News Journalism. For your information, Matthew, my wife's side of the family are members of the Taiwan Democratic Progressive Party and would have banished any CCP sympathiser uh, much less. Matthew's assessment was close. He was only off a few dozen light years. In truth, I enjoy Matthew's comments because I try to be open-minded and listen to what others have to say, even when they disagree with me, yet fail to address the actual points at hand, and because his comments are entertaining as watching a hippo and a rhino attempt to play chess. That comes uh, from Richard. He's one of our biggest fans, I think. <laughs> Sherman says... Um, wow. Uh, okay, Sherman, <laughs> interesting comment, says, uh, Dear Baxter, I haven't written to any media organisations in donkey's years, but I feel I must do today. I have some friends from the Philippines who work on cruise ships. While I don't know any of those who work on the Diamond Princess ship, I bet that the work of the crew on the Diamond Princess makes them particularly vulnerable to the virus. Japan has faced mounting criticism for its quarantine arrangements, and yet the international media have not paid much attention to the hardship endured by the courageous crew. The welfare of the crew should not be neglected. If the Japanese authorities are said to have treated the passengers poorly, imagine how vulnerable the crew must be as they battle against the outbreak with inadequate medical and logistical support from the Japanese government. I hope that passengers who made it off the ship are deeply grateful to them and that more will speak up for the crew now they are safe back home. And uh, Mr Tang finally says on the uh, virus situation in different countries. In Japan, a specialist of infectious disease recounted his fear of infection on board Diamond Princess on his social media platform, only to find himself succumbing to pressure by removing videos featuring lax quarantine arrangements on the ship. The Japanese culture of collectivism, politics and bureaucracy might have come into play. With the Tokyo Summer Olympics on the horizon, the Japanese doesn't want to witness the potential cancellation of the sporting extravaganza, but public health is their priority. In Singapore, the minister seemed to uh, able to inspire public confidence by speaking eloquently on CNA, but whether their efforts to contain the virus are successful remains to be seen. School closures are not in place in Singapore, a puzzling decision to outsiders. In South Korea, the number of confirmed cases has been skyrocketing, skyrocketing with Daegu, a less modern city, being the epicentre of a mini-outbreak. Anyone who's been there might share the impression that older citizens there have low awareness of personal hygiene, with many spitting on the ground and sneezing and coughing without covering their nose and mouth. Coordinated efforts of medical experts around the globe are needed to combat COVID-19. May I, says Mr Tang, on behalf of all Backchat listeners, implore Mike Rouse to please put on a mask, that's the co-host today, for his health and that of other people. I have listened to his rationale for not wearing one on multiple occasions, but that hardly sounds convincing, Mike. We need you to be healthy to be on air. Please accept my humble request. That comes from Mr Tang. Well, thank you for your good wishes, uh, Mr. Tang, and I have promised on air, and I'm happy to repeat it, that if I show signs of, uh, if I show any but of the you symptoms... you coughed last week. <laughs> because I was laughing so much at the comments. But you wouldn't know. And I covered my mouth. You can be asymptomatic. I, I have to sit next to you. You can be <laughs> asymptomatic. You understand what I that could, means. I do understand what that, that means. means. You, you asked spread, me that last week You would as well. still spread the disease, even though you didn't know that you, you, if, you were liable to spread the, the disease. If the bodily fluids made it as far as you... Which I, well, they won't. They didn't. I covered my mouth. And I believe you have seen that I am not the only person uh, it, from your rare visit to Central <laughs> the weekend. You saw that I am not the only person going maskless. I, I, I was saying that I've got to say there is a big racial divide. 
It's a tricky, it's a tricky topic. Yes, but white people don't wear masks well, in Hong Kong. I, I wouldn't have said it quite as boldly as that, but no, yes, I'm you have said it. it. I'm overstating it on purpose. Why? No. Do, you, do you have any theory on why that is? I do. I think we just a bit more phlegmatic. Uh huh. That's it. I think H- having more phlegm. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move away from that quicksand. Uh, joining us, as I say, we have uh, Stephen Bravich now, reporter and broadcaster uh, based in Seoul. Uh, good morning to you, and thank you very much indeed for for joining us. Now, um, the, the the rapid increase in, in cases in in, uh, in Korea, of course, has made headlines uh, uh, around the world. Um, what's been the reaction in in South Korea? Um, yeah, how are people feeling about that? Uh, it's a combination of, I think there's a lot of anxiety every day. People are watching the numbers go up and up with some trepidation, and people are worried as to just how bad this could get. At the same time, there's a sort of eerie quiet. People are really staying home alive. Uh, some companies are letting their employees work from home. Not a lot of people are, are going out to eat or, or drink or to the park or anything like that, even though... Just today and yesterday, there's some really beautiful, crisp winter weather with very clean air. I, I went for a walk in a park yesterday, and there was almost nobody there. So as, as of now, the country's also really kind of worried about what effect this is going to have on the economy. The economy's been a big issue here over the past, you know, in recent history because there's been low growth and things have not been going all that well. And along with the headlines about what the... Happening with the disease. There's also reports on how it's affecting consumption and how it's affecting business owners. So there's a hope that things will hopefully things will get better. But at least right. as of now, there's no easy way to see an end to this. It, this um, some of the things you said are really quite striking. I mean, a, a park in the open air is surely the safest place to be, rather than shut up with other people who may or may not be contagious. Special link between that Korean city and Hubei province? I mean, it, it does, it seems to have leapt across. Uh, if I understand the situation correctly, there was one woman who returned from China, from Hubei province, and then she attended a, a religious gathering of this church called Tsinchenji, which is known for having these uh, very enthusiastic, very crowded ceremonies or, or worship sessions where All people right. sit really close together and there's a lot of physical contact and it's just a, a sort of prime venue for the transmission of an illness like this. And there's also the complicated factor that the members of this church are known for being kind of secretive and often not even disclosing to their friends or their loved ones that they belong to this church. So the government is concerned that just how many people have come into contact with this illness that Right. they haven't been able to get a hold of and could be out coming into contact with others and possibly spreading it further. 
Right, because the information hasn't is bottled up. It's not coming out. Yeah, well, the church, they, they made a statement yesterday, and they said that, you know, they're, they're cooperating, they shut down their services, and, you know, they also feel as though the word that they use is that they are victims of this also, and they ask for people not to spread uh, unverified information about them, and they said that they are also taking part in efforts to stop the spread of the uh, coronavirus. So hopefully things will not get too much worse. What, what, what about the countermeasures? Are, school, are schools uh, still open? Are, are most events, you know, are they still on or are they, are they being cancelled? And, and, and what about the government measures? What sort of things are, are, are the administration up to? Well, the government, just yesterday, President Lee Jae-in made a statement where he raised the country's alert level to its highest, which gives the government power to forcibly cancel public events and to take a few other measures. Um, most I mean, almost everything that has been scheduled for these two days has been canceled, uh, particularly normally in Seoul and in the downtown area on the weekend. There are all kinds of public gatherings. Most of those were canceled. There was one notable one that went ahead anyway. But, yeah, the, the start of the... This is taking place right around the time when the start of the next academic year is set to begin, and schools have all had their opening days delayed by... I don't know exactly how many days, but I think about a, until mid-March, I think it is. So that's creating another, you know, another set of complications because parents have to find out uh, ways to take care of their kids and things like that. But again, I think everything is taking place in the name of caution right now. Okay, also with us, as I say, is uh, Ross Feingold in, uh, in Taiwan, a travel security consultant. Ross, good morning to you, and thanks for, uh, for joining us now. So there's relatively few cases in Taiwan. What's, actually, what's the situation now? Uh, yeah, there, there's been uh, fairly good temperature controls at the airports that were uh, imposed after the, the situation started to worsen around the Lunar New Year. Flights were, were uh, reduced and the number of Chinese uh, nationals who could enter Taiwan was reduced and then eventually all but eliminated and uh, returning people have home quarantine requirements. Schools opening has been delayed after the Lunar New Year holiday. Uh, fairly effective distribution of, of masks because of the uh, national health insurance. So the distribution of masks was based on uh, people producing their health insurance system registration cards so it could all be tracked in the, the centralized database. Uh, so there, there's a relatively relatively small number of cases. There, there has been a death, but uh, so far... How many? Uh, How many is a small number? Uh, they're only counting in the tens, you know, 20, 30 cases with one death. I think tw um, 20, so. 27 I've got from, from right. Sunday. That's a very low number, Ross, isn't it? Because considering the links between Taiwan and the mainland now, especially economically. Well, again, there's, there's a number of factors at play. Uh, you know, a lot of people from Taiwan who work in China... Uh, or specifically in, in Hubei or Wuhan, uh, people started to return to Taiwan prior to January 11th if they wanted to vote. Uh, January 11th was Election Day. People started to return for the Lunar New Year throughout January, Lunar New Year coming relatively early this year. And then, as I said, um, you know, the number of flights was reduced. The uh, ability for uh, Chinese nationals to enter Taiwan was, was restricted and then all but eliminated. And Taiwan nationals or foreigners 
with residency in Taiwan who had traveled to China were were imposed with uh, home quarantine requirements, and there's fairly effective monitoring of those on home quarantine. So uh, they, you could say they were able to wall off Taiwan um, fairly quickly and so far effectively. What about the economy right right now and looking forward? Well, that's, a, that's a great question because you know, compared to South Korea, Hong Kong, and Singapore, the forecast for Taiwan in 2020 was was looking quite good. Uh, there had been a bit of more decoupling from China, some order rerouting uh, from from uh, factories in China to factories in Taiwan by U.S. and European buyers. Some Taiwan companies moving back to Taiwan from China. Uh, so it was looking like a good story, but now Taiwan, of course, will suffer economically along with with the region, just you know, as as the flow of people or, or goods slow down. And and yeah, there still is the issue of uh, Taiwan-owned businesses, manufacturing, whether traditional industry or in the high tech sector, in China, and a lot of Taiwan staff are not able to get back to the factory or they don't want to go, and that's been an issue of some discussion in the media here in Taiwan where employers are saying to their Taiwan employees, so sort of the management level, look, you got to go back to work in China, and the employees are saying, well, I don't want to go. Uh, there's been discussion in Taiwan's parliament about uh, providing some legislative protection for employees who refuse an employer's order to return to their post in China. So, yes, Taiwan's economy right. is certainly going to suffer the longer but a very large number of Taiwanese are, are based in the mainland these days, aren't they? That, that's true. You know, the number, the estimates vary, but often it's, people say, around a million. And maybe a few hundred thousand would have returned for the Lunar New Year or, as I said, for the election. Right. And then a lot of those people have not gone back to China. Um, and then a lot of people who are based in China, they, you know, they may have traveled to other places around the world during Lunar New Year holiday and did not necessarily come back to Taiwan. I remember somebody saying about Taiwan, who was a fan of Taiwan, said said that the, their their big advantages were the fact that they had democracy and earthquakes, and that the earthquakes um, kind of spurred them to get organised and um, to kind of sort things out. I mean, you you know, you suggested that the Taiwanese authorities have responded quite efficiently to uh, to this situation uh, with monitoring and with with mask distribution and things like that is there, is there anything in that Ross that they that the the emergency measures the disaster relief measures which they're quite used to you know employing in in Taiwan have uh, have uh, you know been an advantage in this situation well I would say efficiently but not perfectly even mm -hmm. the first few weeks of responding to the virus situation in, in the latter half of January, the first week in February. There, there was there was several policy U-turns on, on various issues, including mask distribution. There was a lot of confusion about the school opening schedule. So a, a lot of back and forth on some policy issues, including uh, entry of Chinese nationals or, or Hong Kong residents as well. It was, it was changing quite rapidly within a few days. It, it could be very confusing at times. Uh, when there are earthquakes or uh, road accidents of, you know, say, a tour bus and, or, or plane crashes, which unfortunately Taiwan doesn't have a good, a good civil aviation safety record, 
record. We periodically see that Taiwan safety culture certainly has a lot of room for improvement. But there's an interesting thing here in this conversation which might distinguish the situation in Taiwan. The current vice president, who didn't run for re-election, he's a medical doctor. The incoming vice president is also a medical doctor. The mayor of the capital, Taipei City, is also a medical doctor. So Taiwan actually benefits from having a number of politicians really at the top of the decision-making apparatus who are medical doctors. What is the situation now for Hong Kong passport holders? Uh, Are they allowed to go to Taiwan? Uh, they could only come to Taiwan if, if they could prove that they weren't in China recently, and they would need documentation to do that. So the interesting thing about that is, and they would be quarantined anyway, but you know, if you're a Hong Kong person who's based, say, in New York City or London or Singapore, and you haven't been to China and you want to visit Taiwan, trying to get the documentation would be all but impossible, because if you're, if you're a Hong Kong person working in New York, how are you going to get a documentation from Hong Kong Immigration to prove your immigration record? Since uh, immigration doesn't make that available online, you got to mail in an application or go in person. And right. have it mailed back you have to, to fill you. in a form. And, of course, people are going to the mainland using their home return permits. So it would have to be well, the immigration well, as, record. I, I, yeah. as, a, as a travel security consultant, I, I always caution people to, to be very careful about using multiple uh, travel documents. You know, it's always safest to travel around the world on a single document and the one that will provide you the best protection, uh, especially with, with biometric uh, passports and, and machinery at so many airports. Those things can catch up with you, so I'd be very cautious about that. But yeah, I, w- I would say generally speaking, it's all but impossible for Hong Kong people to visit Taiwan unless they're already a resident of Taiwan and hold a, a, a Taiwan ID card. But, Mr. Borovich, I mean, a, a worrying kind of aspect of this uh, is uh, we've heard reports of uh, uh, discrimination uh, against and abuse against uh, uh, Asians in, in Europe and, and America and other places and, and so on. And, and here in Hong Kong, um, uh, discrimination against mainlanders. What's the situation like in Korea? Do you think there is a pe- are people trying to distance themselves from the mainland? Is there, are there signs of discrimination against people from the mainland? Yeah, there have been some protests in Seoul calling on the president to enact a full entry ban of all Chinese nationals. And there's currently a, a petition on the president's website that has something like 750,000 signatures calling on him to and all Chinese nationals from being able to enter South Korea. And there is criticism in some quarters that the reason that South Korea's outbreak has worsened more than other countries is because there has not been more strict limitations on the ability of Chinese nationals to enter the country. And Moon has been accused of, uh, China is South Korea's biggest trading partner, so Moon has been accused of possibly not wanting to displease the Chinese government and allowing uh, free travel between the two right. countries. So, what about Koreans traveling in the West? Because many Westerners can't tell the difference between different Asians. Has there been any inadvertent discrimination against Koreans? Uh, there, there might have. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything like that directly myself. There's probably been some stories on social media shared about that. Uh, I mean... As we all know, people from this part of the world sometimes report right. uh, hearing comments or different other kinds of behavior that make them feel uncomfortable when they visit Western countries. But 
There was I think some, everyone's on uh, edge right now. There was something about a, a Vietnamese family, I think I read on in the media, the sort of suddenly accused of being Chinese. And also... Well, there, there was a case uh, just yesterday of a, a group of Southerners being denied entry to Israel. Right. Well, the plane was not allowed to, to discharge the passengers. It was sent straight back yeah. to Korea. Mm. Okay. Well, Stephen Borovich, thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, on the line from uh, Seoul there, reporter and broadcaster, and thanks to Ross Feingold, as a travel, to, travel security consultant. Uh, in Taipei, uh, we'll be talking from uh, people here in uh, Macau and uh, Singapore uh, after, the, uh, after the news. Uh, before that, here's the latest. I'm sorry, before that, here's a few more uh, emails. Have I got time? What are we going to fit in? Okay, let's see. Larry says, uh, the ship is out of control. Even the New York Times exposes Japan's disastrous missteps in botched Diamond Princess quarantine. Uh, describing the descent into horror on board as some of the infected patients were left to fight the infection on their own. Uh, that's how the... And this is a link to the story in the New York Times. That's how the Japanese handled the outbreak by, by, quote, doing everything possible, unquote. They actually let people simply die or get infected when a lot of that could have been prevented. Uh, uh, one American evacuee who completed a 14-day quarantine on board told the New York Times about standing next to a woman as she was being told she had tested positive for coronavirus and 14 positive patients were simply placed at the back of planes separated by 10-foot plastic sheeting and tape. If this is how Americans evacuated their own, I'm worried how the US would handle an outbreak on their soil. That signed Stunned Larry. Uh, and uh, not surprisingly, some response to the... My mask comment, Umesh says, funny thing, you said that about a certain race not wearing masks in Central. I'm in Shanghai and was out and about in Shanghai's version of Lang Kwai Fong. I noticed even here that the same particular race was not wearing masks compared to the locals. Interesting observation that comes from uh, Umesh. And uh, Pete says, in case Mike Rouse is feeling isolated, I was in a pub in Hong Kong on Thursday. The place was full. None of the customers wore masks. A good time was had by all. That comes from Pete, who says, P.S., the word pub might give a, a clue as to the clientele. We take your point, Pete. Uh, the weather, sunny intervals, light rain in the morning and at night, 19 degrees, the latest readings, with a relative humidity now, 77%. Europe's most popular holiday destinations. Over 140 flights were redirected. You're listening to the news on RTHK. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a busy Monday morning with Mike Rouse and uh, me, Hugh Chiverton. We're continuing to talk about aspects, international aspects, really, today uh, of uh, COVID-19. It's spread around the world now that there is concern about a, a pandemic. Uh, we were hearing in the first part uh, reports from Seoul and from uh, Taiwan. Uh, between now and 9.30, we're going to be talking to a legislator in Macau and also a uh, journalist and reporter uh, based in Singapore. Uh, as ever, if you want to comment, uh, give us a call, 233-88266, or uh, you can email bankchat at rthk.hk. We have got a lot of emails. I will have to edit uh, for length to uh, squeeze them in, but I will uh, do my best to uh, keep the essence of uh, what you have to say. Here's a few. Uh, Martin says, uh, Alex Lowe puts it well in his latest article, and... Uh, 
That's an article in the South China Morning Post saying, now we want the PLA's help. What hypocrisy. As dozens of travellers were flown back uh, from the cruise ship, opposition politicians have been busy mobilising the public against practically every proposed quarantine site. However, some have been helpful in suggesting using barracks for the PLA. Um, either those in opposition have no idea what they're talking about or perhaps they just like the idea that because the disease could be spread to PLA troops. Under this proposal, the government will have to appeal to the garrison law to use those spaces as well as Article 14 under the basic law. Maybe the Hong Kong government should just take up the suggestion from the localist camp and proceed to ask proceed asking the central government for assistance from the garrison in the maintenance of public order and in disaster relief and also implement Article 23. That comes from Martin. Ching says the coronavirus has brought out... Uh, let's maybe go to uh, this one. Uh, Lou says, uh, using coronavirus to unleash racial abuse. A student at Oxford... Uh, points out in an article in the South China Morning Post that the coronavirus outbreak has seen a rise in racial abuse towards Asian immigrants and students in the UK. Racist speech and acts are a fact of life even in the most liberal Western societies, uh, as he witnesses it firsthand. Wearing a mask on a bus in Oxford, he was asked if he was infected, quote, infected with the Ching Chang disease, unquote. This is the UK of today, 2020. But rest assured that you would be fine if you were a Caucasian. They would not do that to you, even if you Return to the UK after spending a few days in Wuhan just because you don't look Chinese. What is alarming, however, is the extent to which such prejudice is often couched through culturalist lenses, as judgment is cast on 1.4 billion Chinese people, treating them as a homogenous block of uneducated people to be pitied and feared in efforts to smear China as an entire nation. That comes from Lou. And Ching says, Hi, RTHK. The coronavirus has brought out the worst in some Hong Kong people. I've struck by the volume of vitriol and acrimony expressed on social media, with people deliberately spreading unsubstantiated conspiracy theories and protesters celebrating the demise of infected police officers with champagne. And right outside a police station, only barbaric people do that. While many noble medical workers in hospitals in mainland China and Hong Kong choose not to abandon their duties and continue to care for many patients who have been infected, some people in Hong Kong pop bottles of champagne to celebrate the demise of fellow Hong Kong people. You get the picture, we have sunk to such depths. If freedom of speech means hate speech in Asia, while Western countries ban or regulate it themselves, you know what the Western government and the Western media wish for us, but not for their own societies. Compassion is in order, some empathy and understanding in these extraordinary times in civil discourse and in times of public health crisis. Normally, it should be RTHK's duty as a public broadcaster to point that, but you won't, and you would rather do the contrary and enable those who want to add fuel to the fire. Ching, Lu and Martin, if you would like to write something which is a civil discourse and uh, expresses empathy and understanding, I will read that out because that's the nature of the programme. Mike, did you want to comment on the Oxford situation? Yeah, I, I was struck by the article. I saw the article in the Sunday Post um, and I thought, well, if you're the only person on the bus wearing a mask, maybe that's what's got people agitated, not not the fact of your ethnicity. Um, and I didn't think the, the qualifier sort of... A Caucasian who went back from China wouldn't be similarly harassed. Well, I guess that would depend on whether he wore a mask or not. Okay, uh, to your own uh, situation, Mike. Just oh be no! Just before we go on, oh, uh, Doug, thanks for commenting about the uh, con the uh, phone quality. Uh, okay, he said phone uh, 
struck by the clarity of phoned interviews on the, the, the BBC, RTHK needs to upgrade its equipment uh, and expertise. Um, OK, uh, Drake says, The Guangzhou Health Committee announced a case where a man who had completed one quarantine cycle spread the virus to three other family members, making it 27 days before he actually fell ill. So, Mike, protect yourself. Uh, either by keeping personal distance or have some sort of separation. And Mo says, I, I'll read this out because I know you've got a fairly thick skin, Mike. <laughs> Mo says, by not wearing a mask, Mike is being antisocial, inconsiderate, uncooperative, and suffering from a state of mentality of a white privileged race that don't get and spread the virus. Only Asians do. That comes uh, from Mo. Um, thanks for that. And uh, Matthew says, responding to Richard. Uh, Matthew says, Richard, it wasn't clear from your message this morning, but are you confirming that your campaign against RTHK is not connected to any larger orchestrated effort, including that led by aspiring pro-CCP politician Letitia Lee or any other United Front-type organisation? Question mark. That is uh, from uh, Matthew. And uh, Andrew F. says, as Hong Kong protesters and pandems continue to demonstrate and demand we completely shut our border with China, it's obvious their criticisms have proved correct. Italy stubbornly refused to shut its land border with China and now has more than double the cases Hong Kong has. It Italy? Doesn't yes. have a land border with China? Uh, yeah, I think he's being ironic. <laughs> oh. Yeah, OK. <laughs> You have to, oh, sorry. With Andrew F., you've got to, you've got to kind of um, go with it, yeah. Uh, Italy stubbornly refused to shut its land border with China and now has more than double the cases Hong Kong has. And South Korea's open land border with China has resulted in a massive ten times the number of Hong Kong cases. Equally, their anger towards police being given face masks has proven correct, as to date, of course, no police officers have fallen ill. That comes from um, Andrew F. It's hard sometimes translating Sorry. the irony. I know, yes, it is. When you're, yes. When, you're, when you're reading it out. Uh, thanks for those comments. And somebody kept talking about demise, whereas in fact those people aren't dead. Celebrating the demise of police officers. Right? Yes. 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 Was that also the same guy? Uh, no, that was a different one, I think. That's a different one? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's just, I think, wrong. <laughs> OK, uh, let's... Uh, joining us now for uh, the second part of the programme, uh, we have a legislator in Macau, uh, Jose Coutinho, and uh, joining us uh, on the line from uh, Singapore is uh, Stephen Jedgitz. He's an Australian Broadcasting Corporation Asia-Pacific journalist who's, who's based in, in Singapore. Uh, maybe we'll start in, in Singapore. Mr Jedgitz, good morning to you and thanks very much indeed for, for, for joining us. Um, so it, it, it describes the situation in, in Singapore. Um, my understanding is there are, there, there are quite a large amount of, of uh, cases, um, but a good recovery rate uh, and, um, and, and that uh, there's a fair amount of public support for the measures that the administration have been taking. Is that a reasonable summary? Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Uh, at the moment, Singapore's got 89 cases, so slightly more than Hong Kong. Uh, but it's been dipping down the league table, as it were. It's now got the fifth most cases in the world. Only a few days ago, it was still uh, at number three. Uh, but both South Korea and Italy have, uh, have overtaken it recently. So th there is a sense that Singapore is grappling pretty effectively with the problem, uh, that uh, the problem, whilst not under control, is perhaps slowly being contained. Uh, and... Yeah, the, uh, look, the rather mammoth effort that the Singapore government has undertaken to, to try and control this outbreak has broadly won public support. I mean, there have been some fairly small
sweeping measures here in Singapore. Some 3,000 people have effectively been quarantined using a, a pretty sophisticated tracing system. Uh, you've had about 5 million masks uh, dispensed uh, throughout the, uh, the Republic. Uh, that's about four to each family. Uh, you've seen widespread travel bans, of course. Uh, you've seen vast numbers of people screen their temperatures going in and out of uh, office buildings. Uh, it, it's been the Singapore government machinery sort of really whirring into gear. Uh, and, and broadly speaking, most people, uh, despite a sort of flicker of unease at the, uh, at the outset, seem to feel like the government has done a pretty good job. And, and look, as an outsider looking in, um, you know, objectively, uh, whilst it certainly hasn't been perfect, you'd, you'd have to probably agree with that. How about the school situation? Schools remain open, uh, unlike in Hong Kong. I'm, I'm aware they've been closed there, but, but uh, the schools at this stage remain open, although there have been some restrictions, uh, essentially, uh, on large gatherings. So school assemblies have effectively been banned. Uh, right. Sporting contests have been, have been wound back and the like. There was a little bit of unease over that uh, initially. Some people in Singapore, in particular, looking at Hong Kong, were questioning you know, whether that was a, a wise decision, suggesting it was a little bit risky. Uh, but at this stage, uh, there haven't been any instances, or at least no recorded instances, of, of transmission within schools. So at this stage, the Singapore government feels vindicated by right. that decision. You, you mentioned masks. Is the government being directly involved in distributing them? Correct, yeah. The government uh, essentially took five million masks out of its stockpile and, and distributed them throughout the, uh, throughout the, um, the whole country. Uh, that, was, that was actually... There's been a fascinating debate around that, of course, because the efficacy of masks is still to some extent debated. The Singaporean government's formal advice is still that you should not simply wear a mask for protection. You should only wear one. Uh, when uh, when you are sick and you're worried that you might uh, pass something on. Right. Now, That's how interesting yeah, for so me. Maybe I'd get less abuse in Singapore. Look, perhaps you wouldn't get quite the same level of vitriol. That's possible. Um, but, uh, look, there was also a fascinating little story that popped out late uh, last week uh, when uh, th uh, there was a closed gathering, a, a closed-door gathering of the Chatham House rules uh, between the Trade and Industry Minister and, uh, and a peak industry body. Uh, and that minister, who has been quite publicly contemptuous of these sort of small bouts of panic buying that we've seen in Singapore um, over the last few weeks, uh, went on to, to basically abuse people who, who panic bought as idiots and, and suggested that their decision to, to hand out masks was essentially a public relations move more than anything else. He said, look, we had to do it in order to, you know, to, to instill the public with confidence. Uh, we made a... We basically gambled that it was more valuable to to reassure the public by sending out the masks, despite these question marks over their efficacy, um, which was quite a revealing comment, I thought. Uh, of course, he also called Hong Kong as idiots uh, in those, <laughs> in those <Yeah>. remarks. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. Was that was there widely reported in Singapore? Because there's, there's, yeah. there's quite a few sort of uh, Hong Kongers, I've got to say, who are fuming about that, and some, some who agree. Yes. Yeah. One, one, well, one who agrees is in the studio with you. Yeah, look, I, I can... You look, might, I mean, not I, me. What was, what was really interesting, which it was reported, though the focus largely was on his contempt for Singaporeans who were panic-buying um, rather than uh, the people overseas. Um, nonetheless, what, what was fascinating to watch was the sheer outpouring of anger on Singaporean social media on that Friday evening when there was that first bout of, of panic-buying. Uh, all sorts of pictures of people with their trolleys, you know, teetering with 
toilet paper and instant noodles and other staples. All of these pictures were just posted around the internet and they were getting a hundred or hundreds, sometimes even thousands of, of responses, all of them universally critical. So there, there, there was a feeling that that, that bout of panic buying undermined Singapore's self-image as an entirely calm, ordered, rational oasis of prosperity in a, in a, in a turbulent region. Um, and, and watching the, the sort of broader public response to that, that panic buying was also quite revealing. Well, the good news from this end is that I did see some rolls of toilet paper for sale on the shelves normally in a supermarket over the weekend. So, may well, I'm relieved. To, I'm relieved <laughs> to hear it. They have also returned to the shelves in Singapore. You'll also be relieved to hear. <laughs> uh, also joining us, as I say, is Jose Coutinho, who's a legislator in Macau. Good morning to you. Good Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us today. So uh, in Macau, uh, of course, we've been hearing that the, uh, the casinos have uh, reopened, uh, but there has been very, very few people in there. Uh, reports that the Lisboa was completely empty, I think, on Saturday. Uh, you know, what's the situation now this Monday morning? Uh, for such a small city as Macau and around uh, 50 million visitors, uh, I... We all feel that we have been lucky not to have some uh, more cases. Uh, it has been almost 10 days that there is no suspected cases coming in from the mainland. And uh, for that, uh, the government took at the beginning some good decisions. Um, but uh, but overall, uh, uh, everything is fine. Casinos have been open. Uh, the government departments uh, too. And um, uh, although uh, the small, medium enterprises, as, uh, those uh, some some uh, some gyms, some uh, beauty salons are still closed and so on, so uh, the impact is more on the economic side. Yes, I, I was in Macau ten days ago, uh, just and stayed one night. Um, I was impressed by the calmness. Um, and I did in Macau wear a mask on public transport because that's the law. Do you think that yes. kind of decisiveness uh, helped? Helps, helps a lot because um, uh, there is a lack of information for the past 20 years in Macau related to government um, information. Um, but this new chief executive was decisive in taking his shoulders, the distribution of the mask, um, uh, talking to the Macau citizen that the, all the basic necessities of the people, like food that comes from mainland, will be more than sufficient. There was some alarm at the beginning uh, when some people rushed to the supermarkets to pick up the food and the shelves were empty, but uh, that lasted only one day. And when the information came out, the people uh, just uh, kept on the listening to the daily briefings by the press conference of government officials. And um, and and everything went fine until today. Right. And in, 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 in Hong Kong, there was a big call for to, to close the border to um, seal off Hong Kong from uh, from the mainland, and we ha almost have that now that situation. But that never really happened in Macau, did it? Exactly. Um, for Macau, that uh, we we didn't close the borders. Um, there is today around 500 people that cross the borders without any medical checks, uh, those who are 
staff from the airlines, uh, some uh, drivers from the trucks that bring us the food from the mainland China, and so on. So, but the government says that they control their health uh, status, and we should trust them that uh, they are all fine. Are people allowed in from other parts of the mainland, or do they have to have a medical certificate? All of mainland tourists and people that come over must be quarantined either in their place or in Zhuhai, and 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 and. And we trust that, although right. that there's been around the world that uh, the period of incubation could be more than 14 days. But so far, we have not seen any cases in Macau. So even though the border's not closed as such, uh, for any potential it's tourist, risk. it's 14 days? It's a risk uh, to yes. open, uh, keep open the borders, but controlling, because one case is one case. You, uh, if you see the cases that have been happening in mainland China, the young lady of 20 years old that went back to her uh, hometown 600 kilometers far away, and in fact, the whole family. So mm. it's an example that we still don't know how right. the transmission goes. And in terms of economic recovery, eventually, it's not this just the situation problem. in Macau itself. You need the places where the visitors come from to also have controlled the virus, don't you? Yes, um, we have this control of the borders, but the main problem right now is uh, one of the things that uh, started to... Uh, people uh, uh, feels that is quite controversial is the decisions uh, this from the chief executive to allow the casinos to open, but not allowing the gyms, the beauty salons, uh, and so on, the small media interest that used to have business. So right now, there are a lot of families. They are not working. They are, some companies are firing them, uh, are requesting them to take 2021 uh, holidays. Uh, so this being uh, uh, some conflicts uh, in the society regarding to uh, stoppage of the companies and firing of the people. Okay. Some more comments uh, from listeners. On Facebook, TC uh, talks about a different country. Uh, he says, it's interesting to see that after the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak, North Korea, China's traditional allies, was the first country to issue a travel ban. Russia has also implemented a travel ban more comprehensive than that of the United States. Alongside Chinese passport, Hong Kong SAR and Macau SAR passport holders are also banned from entering Russia as well. Even more interesting thing is that the Chinese government hasn't criticised Russia and North Korea the way uh, they, that it did to the US for issuing a similar ban. Uh, furthermore, the Russian government is taking more drastic actions in that it advises citizens to report and cite of Chinese citizens to the authorities. I haven't heard the PRC foreign ministry spokesperson condemn that as well. That's interesting. And there's a link to a uh, CBC story there uh, on the, uh, uh, the approach to the coronavirus uh, in Russia. And... Um, Phil B. Okay, some controversy continuing over the uh, over the uh, mortality figures. I'd uh, uh, just like to return to for a moment. Uh, Andrew F. says Bowen's email about mortality rates misses several key important points. If he doesn't want to use 
the China numbers as he assumes the Chinese will be deliberately underreporting fatalities for reasons it's never made clear since they've sealed off cities of tens of millions of people and already incurred the financial and reputational damage or underreporting under deaths through incompetence. Then let's look at South Korea. The mortality rate there is running at 1% currently and if we assume 10 to 20 times underreporting of infections due to many people having very mild symptoms or being completely asymptomatic as your experts last week postulated, then the effective mortality rate drops to 0.1% or lower, assuming South Korea is also not under-reporting deaths. I agree with Bowen that it's too early to say definitively, but in previous coronavirus outbreaks such as SARS, the final mortality rate was ultimately adjusted downwards. That comes uh, from uh, Andrew F. Phil B says, I keep hearing the statistics regarding the number of infected persons, the number of deaths. However, there's little reporting on the number of people who have completely recovered from the virus. While the mortality rate is higher than the common flu, the general public need to know that one can recover from this virus, and if you are a healthy person, you will be fine. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true, Phil B. I don't want to, yeah, uh, just, just read that out as it is. Anyway, Phil B continues, uh, can I therefore request that when you report the infected figures, you also report the recovered figures? This will be sensible and responsible reporting. Presently, people continue to panic as all they hear uh, is bad news. That comes uh, from Phil B. Just in our, in our, in our uh, defence, Phil B, um, what you mean by um, uh, recovered... Uh, is uh, different in different places and it's very hard to make those kind of uh, comparisons. It's hard really to to uh, explain the situation. Uh, okay, Peter says... Uh Ross Feingold mentioned that in Taiwan, people who are concerned about the virus may not return to work and the parliament is considering to protect workers through additional legislation, whereas workers in China have no choice as they are ordered back to work. Ordered back to work, what does that even mean? It's not a gulag. Workers in China were given the OK to go back after businesses were closed. Plenty are choosing to stay home. It's absolutely ridiculous language and shows the usual bias and missing knowledge how China and its business work. Maybe Backchat can make a show what difficulties companies in China face and regulations they have to comply with before they can start up their production line. That comes uh, from uh, Peter. Uh, and uh, on Hong Kong's quarantine efforts, Gavin says the government, the Hong Kong government is simply building concrete cruise ships in Fotan and holiday camps by quarantine knee-jerk controls that have no apparent, that have apparent uh, detrimental effects, bearing in mind the current unknowns of uh, COVID-19. That comes uh, from Gavin. There's a longer email about uh, different uh, quarantine attempts uh, from him, which I'll, I'll get to uh, another day. Sorry, I'm not able to share it today because of the, just because of the volume. Uh, S says, so it looks like this time the government is selectively going to give cash handouts when in fact the whole of Hong Kong has been suffering due to the coronavirus. Okay, some more comments there, perhaps on the uh, financial implications, which we'd like to maybe get to in a, in a, a, a later program. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Jejit uh, in, in, yes. in Singapore, um, there's quite an interesting uh, piece in Reuters, from Reuters, produced last week about uh, with the line, uh, why Singapore's admired virus playbook can't be replicated. Uh, talking about uh, Singapore's approach to the virus and it's the, the, the pros and cons, one point it, it, it makes is um, it's thought that the, the relatively high number of cases in Singapore um, is really because of the uh, efficiency, because of the, the, the amount that actually are caught, detected and, and reported. Is, is that a fair comment, you think? 
remember that piece from last week, and I, I think it was it was bang on the money. Um, yeah, there was a bit of confusion initially about, yeah, well, Singapore has, you know, obviously undertaken these sort of vast and, and sweeping measures to, uh, to catch the coronavirus and to contain it and spread. Why then? People were saying, yeah, we have so many cases. Why do we have the third most after both uh, China, obviously, uh, and Japan? Uh, and, and look, I think that probably was the answer. Most experts seem to think that Singapore may, in fact, be pretty much the only country uh, that has been detecting close to 100% of, of all its cases and estimated that many other countries had a far, far lower pickup rate, some as low as for the 30 or, or, or 40%. So in a sense, Singapore's uh, headline figure was, uh, was not misleading, but perhaps, perhaps if you looked at it in that broader context, it, it perhaps could be uh, a little bit misleading. That's, that's uh, it seemed to imply yeah. that Singapore was doing poorly, but uh, yeah, in reality, they were probably just doing better both at containing it, but also picking up the disease. That's interesting. Also, it might feed into, you know, the concern over the uh, recovery figures and the mortality and everything like that. If you if you are getting a more accurate representation from Singapore, although it's relatively small, maybe that, that would be useful there. Okay, just just before we end, we've got a, we've got a caller on the line, 233-88266. John. John, good morning. Morning, everybody. Um, I'd just like to pick up on something uh, that Mike said last week. It may have been covered and answered by now, but um, the difference, I mean, the, the WHO directive is, is to wear a mask only if you are sick. But the difference, surely, between this and SARS is you don't know you've got it. So Mike could have been out for his 20-mile jog in the morning feeling great, hops on the bus without a mask, but could actually uh, be transmitting the virus with, without knowing it. Um, that's just all really I have to say. It's a little bit different from SARS. So Mike. The, par Mike. the paranoia about masks is perhaps uh, understandable uh, and perhaps a little bit justified. I mean, I may be wrong. Please correct me if, if I am. I think the people who are wearing masks feel better because they're wearing the Mike, mask. Mike, your logic is wrong, though, isn't it? You're, you're, I, you're, I agree, you're, Mike. I think you're way off the mark, my friend. Uh, <laughs> but your you, logic you makes no sense. You admit that you could be spreading great, the disease. But you, no, it, it's I, transmissible. I admit that I could have the virus. <laughs> yes, and not know it, and then spread it, because you're no, wearing no, the No, 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 you're making a leap too far. I spread it if I cough without covering my mouth. Or sneeze. You spread without... it in the normal course of events. You spread it by, like everybody else does. By I really think you're taking a stand. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what, what can I say? I, I don't agree with the logic, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Mike, you, you know, you're, you're a free country. Um, I'm going to move to you... Singapore, where I will not be scolded. I will be entirely in line with government policy. Funnily enough, though, the API in Hong Kong, mm. which we play on this station several times a day, does not require the wearing of a mask by healthy people. It talks about, if you are sick, wear a mask. Yes, but you, the problem with this, Mike, you don't know, you could be carrying it. You don't know you're sick, and you could be... I, transmit, I, I can understand why pe people... Are, I'm in Taipo now, standing outside a building site, and I'm not wearing a mask. I'm out in the open here. Everybody's wearing a mask. I'm getting all these sidelong looks, uh, you know, as if... As, as if Try, I'm some sort of disease-ridden uh, person. Try coming so, on the MTR it, with me in a minute. If you yeah, want, if you but, but when you're on don't. the MTR, when you're on a bus in an enclosed space, I can understand the, the, the feeling of the people around you. Uh, and, and I just think, you know, making a stance where, uh, you know, you, 
because that's what you want to do, making a point, um, just seems to me a little bit like cutting your nose off to spite your face. But but anyway, thanks for hearing me out on that one. I've waffled a little bit. <laughs> John, thank enough, you, Cole. And, uh, that's, that's my point, anyway. Okay. I, um, and I understand your, your stance, Mike, but I, I, I don't agree with it. So. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you very much indeed to our guests in this part of the programme. How's it continue? The legislator in McCam, many thanks to you. And uh, thanks to uh, Stephen Jadget. Uh, he's a, uh, based in Singapore. He's a journalist with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation uh, Asia Pacific. Thank you very much indeed to both of you. And uh, to all those uh, who commented, um, so we didn't manage to get to all, all the emails today, so I'll save some uh, until uh, tomorrow. A reminder that the uh, the budget is going to be given uh, later this week, and uh, we'll be covering that live on Radio 3. Uh, and also on Friday morning, the Financial Secretary himself will be joining us in the studios. That's between 8 and 9 uh, on Friday, and me and Peter Lewis We'll be uh, talking to him and uh, putting your questions, of course. That's the uh, the main point of the exercise. Uh, an opportunity to talk to the financial secretary on the usual number with the usual arrangements. That's coming up on Friday. Uh, Mike, many thanks to you. Uh, stir, Stirring stir it up as ever. Yes. The weather, sunny intervals, light rain in the morning and at night, maximum temperature about 23 degrees, 19 Celsius at the moment. The relative humidity is 75%. On the internet, anyone can publish anything. Even if it seems true, doesn't mean it is true. Even if someone is popular, doesn't mean you should believe what they say. So, take a look from different angles. Check the facts before jumping to conclusions. Try not to let emotions sway your judgment. When fake news goes viral, it can have severe repercussions. So, check the facts to keep fake news in check. 933, the news now with Samantha Buffalo. The head of the International Monetary Fund has warned the coronavirus outbreak could put global economic growth at risk. Kristalina Georgieva told a meeting of G20 finance ministers that it would be prudent to prepare for adverse scenarios. The virus has now killed more than 2,000 people and millions remain under quarantine. Austria says a government task force will meet today to discuss whether to introduce border controls with Italy to prevent the further spread of the virus. There's been a sharp rise in confirmed cases in Italy, which has quarantined several towns. And the Israeli military says it struck Palestinian militants' targets in Gaza and Syria in response to rockets fired towards southern Israel. It came hours after Israel said it killed a Palestinian militant who tried to place a bomb along the Gaza barrier fence. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Sex and Costume Design. Great interpreter of Beethoven. And where oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy counts co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for artists and not really for characters. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decide of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Inter interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Welcome to...